This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. One of our goals for you as a church member, if you come and you're a part of the Ark, is that you grow stronger. Live for God, grow stronger, make a difference. And as I was thinking about growing stronger, I was looking at an Old Testament example. I love the Old Testament. It gives us great pictures. Everything that's written in the Old Testament is not just to give us an historical account. It's to show us principles that we can apply. And I was looking at a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and he was facing a really big problem. And how he prayed in that problem, I thought was just great. And I was, I was going to, to talk about that, and we, we still may, but, what I, but not this morning. What I wanted to talk about was what was Jehoshaphat's basis? What was his foundation? Why did he pray that way? Why did he take that approach? And as I went back and began to look at his life, I thought, okay, because it, the Bible tells us some things about Jehoshaphat that are good. By the way, Jehoshaphat's a great name. Don't name your child that. <laughs> because you know every time you give your child a name, somebody's going to shorten it. And how do you think they're going to shorten Jehoshaphat? <laughs> don't call him fat all his life, so don't do it. Uh, the idea, though, that his life speaks. And some of the things about his life speak. So this morning, as, I, as I'm going to start a series called Growing Stronger, I want to talk about a strong foundation. A foundation is, the, is, what, is what buildings are built on. It's what things are built on. It's the basis for belief. It's the basis for moving forward. And we use that term a lot. Well, we know for buildings. When we built this addition out here that we dedicated last week, when we built that, that building, we planned on a water table at about 21 feet. We found out it was seven feet. And so for those of you who know construction that know that created some challenges. In fact, this was some of the work that they did. You got that picture? And they filled all that in with concrete. You see the rebar down there at the bottom. So we wanted a building that every time the, we got a storm, we weren't worried about whether or not it was going to topple over. You need a strong foundation. So we built a building with a strong foundation. We, uh, you think about teams and organizations. They always need strong foundations if they're going to be strong teams, strong organizations. At, I was reading recently of a coach in Kentucky who, who actually, up until yesterday, led Kentucky, their football team, the University of Kentucky, the Wildcats, led them to their first 6-0 and start ever. Now, you might think, well, big deal. In Kentucky, that's a real big deal because they stink at football. They're really good at, at basketball, but football is kind of like a, it's kind of like a sideline. They don't care. And uh, this coach, they brought this coach in, and uh, he's uh, Stoops. He's Bob Stoops' brother. And they left him in place for nine years, which is rare. But he said when he came in, he said, we're going to build this on toughness and physicality and a running game and strong defense. He said it won't be the, the quickest way to win, but it'll be the best way to win. And they've, they've left him alone. They've let him do it. And his first few seasons were horrible. But he be began to build a foundation that until they ran across Georgia yesterday, they did pretty well. And they had built a team. It, it reminded me of a, of a story that is supposedly a true story of a coach talking to one of his assistant coaches who was about to hit the recruiting trail, college coach. And he's about to start recruiting high school football players. 
He said, son, when you go out there, he said, you're going to see that young man who gets knocked down, but he gets back up. And the assistant said, that's the guy we want, right, coach? He said, no, that is not the guy we want. He said, son, you're going to see a guy that he gets knocked down and he gets back up, but he gets knocked down again and he gets back up. And the assistant said, oh, that's the guy we want, right, coach? He said, no, that is not the guy we want. He said, but son, you are going to see that guy who gets knocked down and he struggles, but he gets back up and he gets knocked down and he gets back up and he gets knocked down and he gets back up. And the assistant said, oh, I got you. That's the guy we want. He said, no, son, that is not the guy we want. We want the guy that's knocking everybody down. (laughs) You need to build it on a strong core. So this Kentucky team, they built it on a strong core and, uh, and they've gotten better. Strong teams need strong foundations. Strong relationships need strong foundations. You know, your relationships, whether that's friendships or marriage, needs to be built on, you need some strength in there. It needs more than just, hey, we both like popcorn and movies. You know, we, we share all these things in common. You better build it on commitment and, and some other things, or it's not a relationship that's going to make it because things do change. If you build it on, if you build it on appearance, that will change over the years. And so... You want, you want to build it on something that's, that's strong, relationships, what are they built on? But then how about our lives? Do we need a strong foundation for our life? Undoubtedly, yes, we do. And there's so many things you can build your life on and around, and so many of them are so shaky. I mean, you think about economically. I was looking back over my career when I came out of college. I looked at three different industries that I was going to be involved in and get involved in sales. Now, I realized that was a long time ago, but still, none of those industries even exist today. Things change. We understand the oil business in Texas. It's hard to build on that, isn't it? Oil goes up, oil goes down. Oil goes up and down. And so that's something that can be shaky. You can build marriages. You hear families all the time. They build marriages around the children. And what happens? Children leave. And sometimes children cause challenges even within the marriage. And so what do, you, what do you build a foundation on? What do you build your life on? Well, one of the beautiful things about it, and this is why I love being part of a church, is because we are encouraging people, if you want to get stronger in life, you build life around your relationship with God. And that's the strongest foundation you're going to find. Jesus said this in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, he was talking to a group of believers. He was talking to some of his disciples and followers, and he was talking to them about the idea that what they were seeking after, what they were pursuing. Seek means to pursue, to follow after. He said, you have the the Gentiles, people who have no relationship with God, and they're all seeking, I got to make it, I got to survive, I got to do this. He said, it's not going to be that way with you. If you'll seek God, if you'll put him in his ways first, he said, all these things will be added to you. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. I got great news about God's kingdom. Thank God God's not up for re-election. He doesn't get re-elected. He's an eternal kingdom that will last forever. And it's solid and it's strong. And we seek that kingdom and it can put strength in you. You begin to put God first and put his ways first. And things begin to be added to you. And boy, that makes all the difference in the world. Many of you know mine and Joy's story. We celebrated somewhat of a milestone this past week because on October 12th, 
40 years ago was when I met Joy and uh, met her down in Clear Lake. She was a vision in long, flowing, curly, dark hair and a leopard print bikini. I met her by a pool. <laughs> hey, she didn't like that story. She keeps saying, Alan, that was my sister's bathing suit. I said, I don't care. It was, it was bait and it worked. <laughs> I saw her, and, and uh, those of you who are new, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. I saw her, was pretty taken with her, finagled my way to talk to her, wound up asking her out. She agreed before she realized what she had done, and, and I really sensed something in my heart that this was the right one. And a week later, a week later, I'm talking to her, and I said, do, do we have a future together? And she said, no. She said, the man I marry is gonna be the spiritual head of my house. And that started my move back towards God. And that started the time where I, I looked to the Lord on October 19th, 1982. One. One. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I told the Lord, I said, I'm yours. And you say, well, did everything get better after that? No. No. But I began to build my life on something other than talent or skill or college degree, I began to build it on God. Now, when Joy and I got married, you'd think, well, you love God, she loved God, you're gonna have a perfect marriage. <laughs> One, there are no perfect marriages. I don't care what you see or what you read or what anybody posts on Instagram. <laughs> there are no perfect marriages. There are some that are good and some that are strong, but everybody's got some dysfunction somewhere in their marriage. Every family's got some dysfunction. Some of us have more fun with our dysfunction, but we have dysfun there's dysfunction in every family. But we had a tough time with our marriage because we brought a lot of baggage. She brought baggage, I brought baggage, and our first few years were tough. They were hard. Now, we went to, we did marriage seminars, and we have classes here, and I strongly recommend doing everything you can if you're married to keep your marriage and to, and to work on it. I, I strongly recommend that. But I'll tell you what changed our marriage. What changed our marriage is she was pursuing God, I was pursuing God, and if you'll seek God, it's not a dead-end game. It's something where if you'll seek Him, it's like Joy talked about today, you begin to give Him your life, He's going to give you a whole lot more in exchange. You're going to get a lot more, and what happened is she was seeking God, I was seeking God. As we grew stronger, the marriage grew stronger. Does that make sense? Instead of just waiting for you know, magic dust to hit our marriage, we begin to, to pursue him. And I can tell you now, we have a wonderful marriage. Now she's, she's back in the back. She prays during the second service. In the first service, she actually nodded her head in agreement that we have a good marriage. <laughs> but we do. And it's not because we're pastors and it's not because that we, that we have a, a big church. It's because we sought first God. Amen. And he added things to us. Now you're saying, well, you know, Alan, I'm, not, I'm single and I have no intention of getting married. You still need a strong foundation because life will still happen. And the, and, and the key with life is, and this is one of our reasons, we say we want you to grow stronger. If you're here, we want you to grow stronger because life is going to happen. But if you're stronger, it's not that it stops life from happening, but your ability to handle life better is there. The stronger you are, the better you can handle it. 
Some of you have said that. Some of you have gone through things and you've looked at me and said, you know, five years ago, I don't know how I would have ever gone through this, but God has helped me and I've come through. Listen, it can work that way throughout all your life, but we have to seek first his kingdom, his ways, and all these things are added to us. We started talking about Jehoshaphat. I want you to see a little bit about his life and his foundation because it's key and we can learn from him. So it's in 2 Chronicles. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals. That was a, a false god. But he sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Israel had split into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Judah was the smaller. Judah was centered around Jerusalem. The tribes of Benjamin and Judah were the, really the only two tribes left in that kingdom, smaller kingdom, and, and really Jehoshaphat and Judah, they were on a cultural island because all the nations around them were serving foreign gods. In fact, they served the Baals. Baals was evidently the god of the moment. And so all the, all the foreign nations around him, they had images to Baal and they served Baal. And in some ways they were even more powerful from a, from a war perspective than Israel was, than uh, Judah was. And so Jehoshaphat, because he was not going the way Israel went, Israel had turned away from God. They were what we would call it today. We were a very backslidden nation. They weren't serving God at all. And so here is, is Jehoshaphat in Judah. And he's like, we're going to do this differently. We're going, to, we're going to serve God. And Jehoshaphat sought God instead of seeking the culture of the day. He sought God. The Bible said he sought God. And he, and he walked in God's ways. Now, he had good examples. He, one, he had scriptures. Number two, he had godly examples. His father was a good example. He had David as an example. And so Jehoshaphat made a choice. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to walk in God's ways. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to seek God. I'm not going after these foreign gods. And there's something else that, that really stood out to me when I read this. He said, and he took delight in the ways of the Lord. He didn't say Jehoshaphat is like, okay, all right. I'm going to serve God. No, it wasn't like that at all. He took delight. He was happy to do it. He's like, man, he said his heart took delight. His heart was in it. Man, we're going to serve God. We're going to go God's way. Even though everyone else around him was not, Jehoshaphat said, we're going to do this. And he, then he took all the false gods and the high places and he took them out of the country, got rid of them. So he sent a whole group of people around and you know, somebody had a false god in their backyard. He's like, by the way, that's got to go. Well, well, who says? Well, the king says. And then they take that false god and just and burn them or trash them. And they got rid of all the false gods in Judah. Jehoshaphat, man, he had a heart for God and God blessed him. God increased him. The Bible said God established the kingdom in his hand. He gave, he gave Jehoshaphat, he made the nation of Judah a strong nation. Even though they're small, even though they're surrounded by other nations, man, he made them strong. Let me tell you something. Strong nations are based on strong leaders who have a strong foundation. 
And he had a strong foundation in God. And so here he is with a strong, and, and the Bible said he had riches and honor in abundance. Now it never said Jehoshaphat was seeking the riches and the honor. He was seeking God. But then God blessed him with the riches and the honor and made him powerful. In fact, the Bible said he became increasingly powerful. See, that's somebody I want to read about. That's someone I want to know about. So what did he do? God just didn't look down and go, oh, okay, I'm going to bless him. We know that God's not a respecter of persons. He said, but Jehoshaphat had a life that God could honor. He had ways that God could bless. He had a strong foundation. What about you? Do you have a strong foundation in your life? You say, well, I don't know. How do I do that? How do, how do I have a strong foundation? I'm glad you asked. A strong foundation starts with making sure that we seek God, not culture. You say, well, you know, no one, no one around me, nobody around me cares about God. No one around me, no one around me even gives a rip about God. I work with a bunch of people and none of them care in my family and none of them cares. I'm glad you're in church. I'm glad you're watching online because there are people that care about God and there are people that serve God. And here's the deal. Culture is constantly changing and it always has been. First John, John wrote the church. He said, don't love the world or the things in the world. We could say the culture that's in the world. Anyone loves the world, the culture of the world, the love of the Father is not in it. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Do you realize, guys, we live in a, in a culture now that is so temporary? Anybody, years ago, People used to write letters. Paper and, and, and pen. And in fact, if, if, you receive a, if you received a handwritten letter, don't you go, whoa, handwritten letter. Well, people used to take them and, and people would write love letters. Anybody ever write a love letter? Okay. And a lot of times people could keep those. And you, 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 you see people have, you know, boxes where, with love letters. I asked Joy. If I kept it, she couldn't even remember if I wrote one. But, um, but actually, I used to write joy poems and uh, still do occasionally. And blesses her. It's handwritten. But you don't see that as much anymore. Now, Snapchat disappears in how long? Ten? Ten seconds. So we, we, we live in a culture that's temporary, constantly changing. But it always has been that way. In fact, John said, world's passing away. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What's he talking about? Your passions, your possessions, and your position. These are all changing. And you can, you can seek for, for power and fame and to be somebody, and death comes to everyone. I buried my mom's body this past week. My mom was 86 years old, and I've been praying for a couple of years that she could go on home. Her quality of life had gone down to nothing. But I know where she is. But every time, I do a, every time I do a funeral, and I've done a lot over the years, I'm reminded that life is temporary and life is changing. But there's a promise. And John said, he that does the will of God abides forever. Eternity's a long time. And we're not, just, we're not just living this life. This is not just a philosophy that we live so we can have a better life down here. This is a life that goes on into eternity. I heard of uh, an example years ago, I've always liked it, of eternity. 
If you imagine, take a, a one-inch steel cable and take that cable and go west. I guess west is that way. Go west as far as you can go. Past West Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, just over the, the Pacific Ocean, just keep going, and it just goes out into eternity. And then you take that same cable and you go east. And you go past Beaumont and Louisiana, unless you get stuck on I-10, you keep going. <laughs> and, it, and it goes all the way to Florida and the, the Atlantic Ocean. It goes over Europe and keeps going. And that cable, they'll never touch. East, west, they keep going. And that's eternity. Then you take a ballpoint pen and you make a scratch on the cable. And that's our life down here. We say, well, you know, I know people who've lived 100 years old. Compared to eternity, it's a scratch. But boy, we live for that scratch, don't we? we? We cherish that scratch and we live for that scratch. And all that's in that scratch is passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. This is the long game. And so we're seeking God, not a culture that constantly changes. Second thing, if we're going to build a strong foundation is we build, we build a, a heart and develop a heart for God and God's ways. Develop a heart. Now you say, well, develop a heart. Yeah, that means it's not a fixed asset. It means there's something we can do about it. We can develop a heart for God. Look what Jesus said. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? That always stings, doesn't it? Whoever comes to me and hears, talking about Jesus, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently, that's real strong, against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. How many of you believe Jesus wasn't just making up stuff and talking about things? That Jesus spoke words that they were truth and they were spirit and life. And he's basically saying this is how you build a strong foundation for your life. He said, first you come to me. This is a personal, listen, Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is a living relationship with a living Savior who died for our sins, who was raised from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. It's a relationship. And we have, he said, you come to me. That's a relationship with him. But then he said, but then you hear my sayings and you do them. And he compared it to digging deep which means it's not as easy and it requires more from us to hear what God says and then begin to put it into practice. It takes more from us. It takes more to give. It takes more to forgive. It takes more to bless when others have said things wrong. It takes something from us to serve God when we're surrounded by a culture that doesn't care about serving God. It requires more. But Jesus said it's like digging deep it's like laying the foundation on a rock, but here's one of the ways. You say, Alan, that's so hard. Listen, there's, there's a way you can make it better. And that's to have a heart that delights in serving God and doing his ways. A heart that delights in it. You say, what do you mean by that? When Joy and I were dating, we both had apartments in Clear Lake City. And this was many years ago, back when the horse and buggy days were, were going. But we had an apartment, and she worked in the medical center at Texas Children's Hospital. She worked as a clerk in their, in their emergency room. And she worked a three o'clock to one o'clock shift. 
three o'clock in the afternoon, one o'clock in the morning. She had a, a difficult time sometimes staying awake and, and dry, even today. Say, does Joy ever drive when you go on vacation? No, Joy does not drive. She's asleep by Huntsville. And, um, <laughs> I, can't, and I can't sleep with one eye open. So, so she just was having a hard time. So I had a sales schedule and I started working my schedule around where I would, we would leave Clear Lake close to two sometimes to beat traffic to get her there by three. And then I would come back. A lot of times I would do some additional work, but then I would go to sleep, set my alarm and wake up and go get her at one o'clock. And I did that day after day after day. They say, well, was that hard? It was inconvenient. But when your heart's in it, it's not hard. You say, well, you were young and in love. <laughs> yes. But you know you can stay in love? I mean, if I get irritated now when she asks me to take the garbage out, then I need to check my heart. Because when your heart's in it, it's not hard. You know, if, if going to church is hard, you need to check your heart. Reading your Bible is hard. It's hard. It's a drudgery. It's a chore. You need to check your heart because it's not hard when your heart's in it. Now, here's the good news. I'm going to let you off the hook. You can always recalibrate your heart. It doesn't take, a, it doesn't take an epiphany. It doesn't take a, a bolt from heaven. You can always look and begin to go, I'm, I'm going to do this differently. One of the best ways to, to make an adjustment, and that's what it means to recalibrate, to make an adjustment, is to tell the Lord, Lord, I love you. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate all you've ever done for me. Thank you. It's an honor to serve you. It's a privilege to be able to go to church in freedom. It's a privilege to be able to read my Bible, to be able to pray. It's a privilege, Lord. What a blessing. My heart delights in serving you. Amen. You can change your heart. And when you change your heart, does it make life easier? No, but I'll tell you something. It's not, it's not a drudgery to serve God when your heart's in it. But there's a promise. Jesus said if you do things his way, you serve him, put him first. He said you have a foundation that the storms of life will not bust. You're going to have a foundation that you can stand. And I can tell you that over the years, we have seen sickness. We have seen poverty. We've seen challenges with our children. We've seen challenges within the relationship. We've seen challenges, but thank God by the grace of God, because we sought God, we're still standing and so can you. Because you can build. He tells us how to build a strong foundation in life. And it's a strong foundation that the storms can't shake. And I also have some good news for you. God is still in the blessing and increasing business. If he blessed Jehoshaphat and his kingdom, he can bless you and your kingdom. He never has changed and he never will. He still will bless. Just give him something to bless. Give him a life that he can honor. Give him something that he can bless. Give him a heart for him and a walk with him that he can do something with. You say, well, I don't, I don't believe God blesses today. Listen, God's never changed. Just because people change doesn't mean God has changed. He's still a blessing, miracle-working, loving, God-doing, awesome things God, and he has never changed and never will. So you say, Alan, that means we have to change? Yes, that's the whole point of this. We change. God doesn't change, but when we do, I'm going to tell you something. He blesses and increases. One of the best stories I've, that I've experienced in that 
was enjoying. I knew a young lady that, that we worked with at Lakewood years ago when we did the singles. Her name was Debbie. When Debbie came to us, she was such a broken person. You couldn't, you couldn't talk, you could not have a conversation with Debbie without her breaking down and crying. We would leave and we would talk about her going home and we were like, oh man, I just feel so sorry for this girl. She married a man that became physically abusive and left her and her only son, Billy, living in a tent in Florida. When they moved to, to Texas, they had virtually nothing. She started coming to Lakewood Church. She took a bus to church. She took a bus to work. And you would talk to her and she would weep and you just felt so sorry. You felt sorry for her. And I remember Debbie and I, I remember, but one thing about Debbie is Debbie kept coming. She kept taking that bus and when the church doors were open, Debbie was there. And Debbie started hearing some things. She began to hear that God was big, that God could do an amazing things, that God wasn't mad at her, that God loved her, and that she could have a relationship with God. And Debbie began to catch it. And Debbie figured out that, God, if I can, if I can do things your way, that's the way I want to go. And she just had such a heart. She developed such a heart for God. She stopped crying when you talked to her. She started asking for big, she made a, a big request for the Lord. She said, Lord, if you will give me a car, I need a car. Lord, if you'll give me a car, I will, I will take people to church. And she wasn't bargaining. This was out of her heart. That's what she wanted to do. God gave her a car. Oh, it was ugly. It was an ugly car. <laughs> it's one of those cars that's like held together with bumper stickers. You ever seen that? But let me tell you something. If you've been riding the bus, it's the most beautiful car in the world. And Debbie began to do exactly what she told the Lord she would do. She actually found an apartment complex in the Houston area that was filled with disabled people. And Debbie would bring the blind and the hurting and the, and the mentally handicapped, and she would bring them to church. You would look sometimes at the people that piled out of Debbie's car and go, wow, where did she find these people? And she brought them. A job opened up and Debbie got a better job because she had a car now she could drive to it. And then the job opened up in, in the company I was working for. Small, it was a, it was a medium-sized private company. Hard to get on with, but they take good care of you. I told them, I said, you need, to, you need to talk to this girl. I got her an interview. They hired her. She became the head of their customer service. She just kept increasing. She had such a heart for God. She moved into an apartment complex near where the job was. And after school, Debbie would open up uh, and, and when she would go home, she would open up her apartment and the kids whose parents weren't there, maybe working, would all come and they would congregate around Debbie's apartment and she would teach them the Bible and pray for them and love on them. She did such a good job that the apartment complex brought, gave her, brought her in and said, look, you're doing such a good job. You're helping us with all these kids that are running around the apartment. Now they're all hanging out with you. They gave her a free apartment to minister to those kids in. And we just watched her. I, I, I lost, lost, we lost track a little bit about Debbie, but I heard about her that when, when, when we left. We heard that Debbie had married a man, a good man. They had a ministry on the streets of Houston, Houston ministering to people who were hurting and down and out. But I watched Debbie go from broken to blessed. And it's not because God just felt sorry for her. It's because Debbie gave him something to bless. She gave him a life, a heart, and a walk with God. You can do the same thing. I can do the same thing. And it starts with a relationship with him. Would you bow your head for a moment?
Please, no one leaving or moving will be out of here in just a minute. But if you came today, or maybe you're watching online, you say, Alan, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the living Savior, with Jesus, the Son of God. Well, you can have that today. We're going to say a prayer. It's so simple. It's a heart adjustment, a heart change. Or maybe you're here and you've, you know in your heart, I've been away from God. I know what He knows. But I don't want to live that way. I want to make that heart adjustment today. I want, I want to come to Him today. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. But if you want to be a part of that prayer, if you're saying, Alan, that is me that you're talking to, would you pray for me? Real quick, just shoot your hand up across this auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wonderful, thank you. Appreciate your courage and your humility. This hands up going up all over you. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You're watching online. If you're by yourself, I want you to pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it out loud as a church family. If you're with others, you can pray it quietly. But this is a heart prayer. God, he sees hands, but he sees hearts. That's what he's after. So pray this prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus, that my past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed and eyes are closed just for a moment. Heavenly Father, I, I want to thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer here and online. The ones who turned their hearts towards you again, the ones who come to you for the very first time, the ones who have stepped out of spiritual darkness into spiritual light, and for those who have come home, and we rejoice with them as does heaven rejoices. So we thank you for that. And I thank you that your hand is on them for good. And for the rest of us, Father, thank you. We can recalibrate. We can turn our hearts towards you. What a privilege it is to serve a God who loves us as much as you love us. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.